0: Welcome! And thanks for joining us at the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast. In this series, we discover that God has provided everything we need for life and godliness. Based in 2 Peter 1, we will explore God's invitation to participate in His divine nature, and ways that we can cultivate a fullness of life. Here's today's message. Uh, We are today at the end of our our summer series, and uh, this series was intended to remind us that all these sort of um, invitations, all these calls, all of these exhortations, encouragements, etc. in Scripture that we have received are meant to be received with the reminder that God has given us everything we need to accomplish the calls, the invitations, the encouragements, the exhortations that through his work and through his efforts on our behalf, through his love for us, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. That is everything we need, he has empowered us, provided us with as we follow him. The challenge is, or the responsibility is, our response, right? It's the next step that we take in response to this great provision. And so today, I want us to summarize. I want to wrap this up. I want us to remember, I want, I want us to kind of uh, settle into, if you remember the, the passage, we've, we've looked at... Um, the list of virtues that Peter wants to kind of celebrate, wants to encourage us as followers of Jesus to exhibit, to cultivate in our lives. And then uh, uh, that's verses five to seven, and then verses eight to 11, he sort of gives us, he kind of tries to wrap it up with a crescendo. And he says, these are the things, these are the virtues in verse eight that will make us, will help us, will um, empower us to be fruitful and effective for Jesus in and where we are right now to be effective no matter who we are no matter how old we are no matter where we live no matter what we do no matter how we spend our time these are the things if we commit to cultivating them in our lives will help us to be effective for witnessing to, uh, celebrating declaring proclaiming helping to lead others into the presence of God through Christ as well. Now, if you've been part of the church, if you've been part of the Christian faith for any length of time, this is... Uh, part of what's sort of hidden, not really hidden, but, but sort of what substantiates the very depth of our heart, right? All of us, when we, when we are, a ch- or many of us, I should say, when we hear this kind of encouragement, our minds go, if you're, you're like me, to Jesus's parable about the, the servant, where, where those who make uh, good choices, who take advantage, who use the, re- the resources that God gives us, are then welcomed into his kingdom, this rich welcome that Peter talks about, with the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Isn't that at the very heart, right, in our hearts, all of us? Wouldn't we just love to hear God say that? This is the goal then, this is what is is, uh, inspiring and exercising Peter so much to get us to uh, to get his listeners to pay attention to cultivate these things. And so I want all of us, all of us, whether you are here in the building or whether you're at home, my hope is today that you will not leave this space wherever you're at and whenever you're watching, whether it's Sunday or whether it's any time throughout the week, that you will not leave this space Until you, until everyone has committed this to prayer. And so I wanted to give this invitation to you right up front. If you are here in the building, we've um, activated multiple prayer partners for us. In fact, I'm so uh, excited about this that we have a prayer partner even up in the balcony for today. So you don't have an excuse. You can be prayed for. So it's not just our prayer partners, though, but, but we'll have them spread out here at the end of the service. And as I said, my hope is that, that we will listen today. We will listen and be reminded about the various virtues that we are encouraged to cultivate in our life. And then at the end, we will commit this to prayer. We will admit, we will say, God, we're not all that, that you want us to be. And we want to cultivate these things. Would you help us? And we want to pray for each other. So it doesn't have to be with the prayer partners, but they're going to be available after for you to pray with. You can pray with people that you're sitting with, your family or whatever, but please, please consider not leaving this space until you've committed this to prayer. And what what is this? We're going to list off uh, the various virtues. And I want you to pray. Which are the ones that... So, so listen to me as I summarize them, but also listen to the Spirit's work in your life. What, which one or ones are resonating? Is God inviting you to say, I want you to cultivate this more, or these ones more this fall? Okay? Michelle and I have uh, now had the privilege of having one of our daughters return home. Olivia, right there. (laughs) Just to embarrass her and make her grateful that she's home, right? She's living with us while she attends Camosun. Now, to prepare for her arrival, we ordered a dresser and a a desk for her room. Right? Typical things that Mom um, mom and dad do. Uh, They arrived this past week and were delivered in boxes via my parents' house just waiting to be assembled. Many of us know and there are appropriately sarcastic jokes about the relationship between the ease of assembly and the pictorial instructions of these items, right? We know that it takes effort to assemble these pieces of furniture. Indeed, Olivia and I worked hard putting the dresser together late into the evening, but we finished. I was tired, she was tired, but we did it. And now, Olivia has an effective way to store and access her clothes. <laughs> it's helpful to have a dresser, right? Now, what would you think of us if, um, if Olivia and I decided to skip assembling the dresser? And let her use the box of parts as a platform on which then she could stack her clothes in, you know, organized piles. Oh, well, it's a dresser, kind of. It's helping her sort of organize and store her clothes. We got the dresser, right? I mean, that's the most important thing, right? Of course, that would be ridiculous. If we decided to do that, you would have reason to wonder about our character. You've got the pieces, you tell us. Just put it together. Having an actual working assembled dresser is way better. Well, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but I know that if one of you came to me with that various scenario, I would encourage you to put the dresser together. I would likely even offer to go and help you with the assembly if it need be. That's how much more highly I valued an, I value an assembled dresser than an unassembled one. You know where I'm going with this, right? This is the sort of passionate, this is the plea that Peter has that we read in 2 Peter chapter one. Peter's plea, it's way better, Peter says, to have an assembled Christian faith than an unassembled one. It's way better for cultivating these, li- these virtues than settling for the bare minimum. It's so important, as Peter says in verse 10, he writes to us to make every effort to conf- confirm your calling and election. Do whatever it takes. That is, take these virtues and apply them and cultivate them. Don't let anything get in, in its way to ratify God's invitation in your life to join him in his kingdom. And the way we do that, Peter says, the way we confirm our calling and election is doing just that, cultivating these virtues, cultivating these characteristics, cultivating a life that is Jesus-shaped. That's where we're going with all of this. The passion, for uh, Peter expresses, arises from more than just the idea that if you don't, if you don't do this, you'll miss out on some of what God offers. Like, kind of like treating it as if we're sort of saying no to dessert at the end of the meal. Instead, Peter is exercised about confirming God's work in us because doing so will help us to avoid the possibility of Stumbling. Now here, to be clear, Peter cannot be referring to the possibility that you and I have of overcoming our general inability to live perfectly on this side of eternity. If so, Peter's conclusions would conflict with other scriptures instructing us on how to respond when we sin, when we fail, when, when we do mess up. The language here. Uh, that he uses suggests that he has in mind the ultimate entrance into the kingdom with which he is addressing the end of this section. The end, the purpose, the goal in all of this is to receive that well-done, good and faithful servant or as Peter puts it, receive the rich welcome into the kingdom that he notes in verse 11 or as he states in verse 4, the participation of the divine nature which is a reference to immortality. This is what's at stake for us. This is why Peter can conclude in verse 10 that if all of us, all of this is true, that is if if we're cultivating these virtues in our life, if we're committed to saying this is the kind of life I want to live no matter what stage you're at, if if, uh, we do these things, if this is true of us, in verse 10 he says this, you will never stumble. We will never stumble. Strong language. But in fact, it's actually stronger in the Greek. We miss it a little bit in the English. In the Greek, there's a double negative. In other words, he's implying that if these things are true of us, we will never, know, never stumble. Which is saying if we cultivate these things, if these things are true in our life, we will receive the rich welcome into the kingdom. This is Peter's hope. This is Peter's desire. This is Peter's encouragement. This is why he wants us to cultivate these things. But let's be clear here, right? The confirmation we seek is based not on the effort we exert, but on the work of God in Christ, right? That's the way it begins. That's how it's established. The Christian faith is not based on just our own efforts to achieve anything at all. But it's acceptance of what God says about us, for us, and then living this out in our lives. Now, don't forget we have everything we need because of his divine power. If God were not gracious, no amount of effort on our part would give us a godly life and entrance into his kingdom. No matter how many Tim Hortons I go to, I will never be able to buy a dresser for my daughter there. I will never get there. That is to the kingdom. If I don't believe that Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension are for me. That is why we find Peter's list of virtues beginning with faith. What is this faith that he gives us? And this What is it? It's everything we need for a godly life. That is everything to successfully achieve welcome into his kingdom. Because this is what has ultimate value. This is the first link. Faith is the first link in that chain. Faith. Everything else emerges from that. How do we get it again? Through the person of Jesus Christ, or more specifically, as 2 Peter states, through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Therefore, here's my summary of faith. Faith is based on the knowledge of Christ, and God invites us to accept this knowledge as a gift. There are three pieces of this knowledge. There is that there is a supreme being, that there is Almighty God, and that He has perfectly declared Himself through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Himself then has offered Himself for us because on our own we're unable to receive welcome into God's kingdom. That's the first piece. The second piece is the awareness in our own life that this applies to me. If Jesus is right, then I'm in trouble whether I feel it, feel it, or realize it, or not. And then the final piece of the knowledge is choosing to act, to receive. If God is there, if Jesus is the perfect declaration and the revelation of God to us, and he he has done all of his life and death and resurrection and ascension for us, then that includes me, and that I'm in trouble if I don't follow. The good news is that Jesus was successful and, and God is gracious and so promises to, uh, the gift to us with the benefits of Christ's work if we submit our lives to him. If you have never submitted your life to him and your future, your destiny to God in the name of Jesus, let today be the day. Invite God to rule your life now so that you will be welcomed into his kingdom later. But the thing is, faith is a starting point. God's desire and our need is for the gift of faith to instigate a process of transformation, which is another way of saying that God takes our life, our heart, our mind, our spirit, everything about us, and conforms it, begins to shape it into the image of his son, Jesus. Now, this process isn't instantaneous. In Christ, we have the potential for change, but until we live it, our faith remains unassembled. We are assured in this passage that everyone who has received the gift of faith is included in the remaining list of virtues. In verse 9, we read that if you or I, if we think that we're not included, or somehow, for some reason, that we uh, contrive in ourselves, we cannot develop in these areas, then Peter calls us nearsighted and blind. If we conclude that some of these areas don't apply to us, we miss the point. Our sight, and as a result, our sight is not focused on the right person. Jesus is our prototype. Jesus is our example. If we lower our gaze and focus just on ourselves, we risk becoming blind, Peter says. In addition to losing our sight, it gets even worse. We learn from Peter that we also lose our minds. At the end of verse 10, we read that if we conclude, again, for whatever reason or excuse we can come up with, that any one or more of these qualities do not apply to us, we forget the nature of faith. We forget that we have been cleansed from our past sins, from the past way of life. In other words, we forget that the gift of faith comes with recreative properties, in Christ, Paul tells us, we are new creations, renewed, we are made new with new possibilities. The gift of faith is not a, some kind of password that we save for when we need it. It is the beginning of a process that, of becoming like Jesus. That means that you and I can and must live like him. The list provided by Peter gives us a description of the qualities that demonstrate this Jesus-shaped life. So let me try and summarize what we learned over the summer. Here are the summaries. Then, first of all, goodness. Right after faith, Peter says, "Within goodness, um, add or sorry, add, within faith, add goodness." Goodness includes caring for those around you, standing up for the right things, putting the needs of others before your own, doing praiseworthy things, and demonstrating high moral standards. This is how Jesus lived and how we are now uh, directed to live from Scripture. We are to hold high standards for ourselves. In Colossians, we read that our speech is always to be gracious. In 2 Corinthians, we are supposed to take every thought captive. And in 1 Corinthians letter, we learn that we are to straight up do everything for the glory of God. So a summary statement for goodness is, goodness is holding oneself, not pointing fingers, holding oneself to the standards Jesus established. We can. Remember, God has given us everything we need to do this. We can live out these standards more and more. And that is why Peter was encouraging us. We have everything we need to be good. Then comes knowledge. Knowledge is prominent among the qualities, as we have already noted. Faith is grounded in the knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge presented in all scripture as taught and demonstrated by Christ is that which results in wisdom, the effective ability to live life the way it was intended to live. Jesus-shaped knowledge does not produce pride because it's not based on my own intellectual abilities. It's based on, and it begins with, the fear of God. It starts in that very place that faith needs, to recognize that we are in trouble and we need help, and that never changes. This is God's world, and we are His creation. We have everything we need to grow in our knowledge of God and His Word, including determining how best to live out that knowledge. Then we had self-control. Self-control in a Jesus-shaped life is not a matter of trying harder not to do selfish things, but of trusting in the power of God's indwelling Spirit to do the things that reflect Jesus. Self-control doesn't just say, look at me and see how good I am. But instead, like John the Baptist, it proclaims, I must decrease, and he, that is the Jesus shape of my life, must increase. Self-control recognizes that we are still living with the effects of sin in our lives, even though Christ has broken its ultimate power to defeat us. So here's my summary statement. Self-control is the desire to acknowledge the claim of Jesus on myself, in faith, and commit my life to the things that matter to Him. We have everything we need for self-control, such that more and more we can live like our Savior. Then there's perseverance. Perseverance is that which sustains a Jesus-shaped life. This is the power to continue living this way despite everything, and every, uh, uh, despite everything and everyone else going in different directions. This is the divine ability to continue exhibiting Jesus even while experiencing difficulties without losing grasp of the goal. This is precisely how the book of Hebrews summarizes the life of Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Peter says, "For the joy set before us, the rich welcome into the kingdom, enjoy, endure all that life offers, and hang on to Jesus." As we read in Second Peter, the joy is that rich welcome into the kingdom, and so therefore perseverance Acknowledges the challenges of life, but in God's power, it patiently refuses to allow anything to derail us from the journey with Jesus. We can do this because Jesus has already done it. Then we have godliness. Godliness is the quality of life that results from the indwelling spirit influencing the expression of life. Literally, it's a godlikeness. So, my summary is this To be godly is to bring the revealed truth about the eternal God of the universe to the very center of who we are, so that our every thought, word, attitude, decision, and action reveals Christ in us. Lest we become disillusioned until the rule of Christ is fully revealed, the successful expression of God in us, or godliness, will cause us trouble. Godliness is the fingernails on the chalkboard to the world. Nobody likes that experience. We read in 2 Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We should only expect the same treatment Jesus experienced. Yet, yet. And here's the celebration, right? And here's the reason we have to celebrate all the way through this, that we should not feel this is kind of onerous, piling one thing onto the next. Because really what it is, is a revelation to us that Peter's point is that God has given us. This is all uh, potential in all of us who are following Jesus, He's given us everything we need to reveal God in the world, including the ability to endure negative reactions and hang on despite these reactions. And then we have mutual affection. As we learned a couple of weeks ago, the kind of, this is the kind of loving interaction that is applied to the Christian community as evidence that following Jesus makes a difference. My summary statement is this, mutual affection is eagerly loving other Jesus-shaped people tenderly, excessively, and persistently. As the application of agape within the Christian community, it actively resists any response to others that arises from our sinful nature, such as enmities, strife, and jealousy. It rejects those in the Christian community. Instead, with Jesus as our example, we treat each other as more important than ourselves. And when things are difficult, we seek to forgive, to reconcile and restore as a witness to the difference that living for Jesus makes in our relationship, in our community. We have everything we need to develop a community like this, a community that shows one another mutual affection. And then finally we have agape. We arrive at the finale, or as Paul puts it, the more excellent way. We come now to the greatest expression of God in all of existence. Agape. Agape is the love that justifies Christian life and ministry. It's present only in action. Is eternal and results in the building up or, yes, I'll go there again, the fluffing up of one another. All of this, that is all of the effects, all of the characteristics, all the qualities of agape is with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us in mind. That is our prototypical example of agape love. So therefore, my summary cannot be otherwise. Agape is the cross. As profound a concept as it is, agape begins with the next action towards the next person. It is taking the opportunity to express the same love selfishly, selflessly that Christ demonstrated on the cross to whoever is before us. And yet again remember we have everything we need to agape each person we encounter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the the impact if each of us Each of us here committed to take, to take Peter's encouragement and cultivate each of these characteristics? by keeping each in view, but maybe just focusing on one or two this fall. Can you imagine? So which is it? You've just heard my summaries. Have you been listening to the Spirit? Which one is God's Spirit nudging you about? I encourage you to pray, as I said at the beginning, Don't leave here until you've committed this to prayer. We have everything we need for this kind of life, and we should celebrate this, that we have everything we need. It's there. It's present in your life. In Christ, in faith, as we commit ourselves to Christ, we have what we need. But, as much as this list just feels like one thing that we're trying to do after another, and to some extent, there is a little bit, right? There is our response. We do need a response. It isn't just that, that, that Peter's asking us, well, just sit there, just stay there until you feel inclined to do something godlike like or, or to persevere or something like that. This is our response. Now, we take responsibility. If we believe we have everything, let's live it out but let's never forget the foundation. The foundation for every quality that Peter expressed is the gift of faith offered to us by God, and his invitation to participate in this life is premised on the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And this is where it begins. This is where it begins. As we seek to increase in any of these qualities, we must do so with our eyes, not on ourselves, but on the body and the blood of our Savior. We want to take a moment to thank you for listening. And we invite you to join us on Sunday mornings in person or online. For more information about who we are and what's happening at the church, visit us online at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast.